Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Real Life Random Thoughts, where I talk about my real life random thoughts. Per usual, I want to thank my 30 Spotify followers. Thank you all once again for following my podcast. Please share with anyone and everyone who wants a good laugh at my expense. I'm on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, CastBox, and Pocket Cast. Before we get started, I do need a small favor from all of my listeners. Whatever platform you listen to my podcast on, please go and review my podcast so it can show up as a suggested podcast to other podcast listeners. Um, And when you do figure it out, let your girl know because I've been trying to figure it out. And I know this may sound um, conceited or narcissist or whatever, but every um, platform that I'm on, I listen to my podcast again on every last one of them platforms all the time after I record an episode because it's giving me listeners. So with podcasting, if a lot of you don't know, you can make money off your podcast. But right now, I'm paying everything out of my own working pockets for my podcast. Um, So you can only start getting paid when you get 100 listeners. So right now, I only have, I don't even think I have 50, but that's okay. We got to grow. It's got to grow. So I just need y'all to suggest it. I mean, do the review so it can be a suggestion to other podcast listeners. Um, So I can start making some money because working these two jobs and keeping up with my monthly bills and trying to get my podcast off the ground, it's a lot. I mean... I don't mind doing it because I actually, this is my favorite thing to do is my podcast. But if I can get a little help so I can get my listeners up to 100 so I can get those advertisers to start paying me to um, do my podcast, that would be awesome. Um, But anyway, like I said, once you figure out how to do it, let me know so I can go in and do it because I've been trying to figure it out and I haven't been able to. Um, And another note. I have decided that, like I said, I got two jobs and y'all, life has been lifing right now for me. So Monday through Friday, I do work um, my registered behavioral therapist job. I work that job from 825 in the morning until 430 in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. Sometimes a little later, depends on what client I got and if they parent feel like showing up to get them. Anyway, some in most days, some days, I do go to the urgent care job right when I leave that job. And we don't close till 7. And so sometimes I leave home at 7.30 in the morning. I don't get home to about 7.40, 8 o'clock, 8.15 at night. So life has been lifing. I had to just say, okay, I can't put this much on myself because it is me season. And I am going to take care of me because... Nobody else is going to, so I'm going to take care of me. So I'm going to start doing my podcast on Saturdays. So sometimes it might come out Saturday morning, Saturday evening, or Sunday morning. But it will be on the weekends from now on because life has been lifing and trying to get home and get situated and get my mind from going a million miles a minute to sit down on Wednesdays to do my podcast at night. It's been a lot. Um, I know a few episodes I have told y'all, you know, I've stopped drinking and your girl has started back. 
Um, I have started back. I am doing my podcast right now, drinking my salted caramel coffee with my salted caramel whiskey inside because life has been lifing. Um, I left that urgent care job today and girls, guys, y'all, them people showed they ass today. You hear me? They showed they ass today. One patient literally nose to nose, toe to toe arguing with one of my doctors. And I'm like, well, I walked in there uh, and everybody was looking because, you know, I'm the only melanated person back there. But the doctor, you know, she was black as well. And the lady, the, we was taking care of her child and she was black as well. And they was toe to toe, nose to nose. And I had to literally grab my doctor who is, I know she got to be every bit of 5'10", 5'11", maybe even six foot tall. And my little five foot behind literally had to grab her and take her out of the, like almost lifted her up to take her out that room because them two women was finna get the fight over RSV test. And yes, we do RSV tests, but it is only if the doctor suspects it, not just because you walk in there wanting it. One thing y'all got to learn about these urgent cares, these doctor's offices, these these medical facilities, you can go in there and want what you want. But if a doctor do not seem that it is medically necessary, or if your insurance is going to question, well, why did you do this before doing that? They have steps that they have to follow in order to get paid. They have steps that they have to follow in order for your insurance to cover your visit. Your visit. So you can't go up in there demanding stuff and saying, oh, I don't want to be tested for nothing. I just want an antibiotic. Well, then your insurance going to be like, well, why you need an antibiotic if there's no diagnosis? How is a doctor going to diagnose you without any tests? You just can't demand this shit. And certain tests that we have at Urgent Care, like our RSV tests, we have a limited amount because they literally go to all the children's hospitals and all the pediatric offices. We are an urgent care office that is not associated with any hospital. We don't have a pediatric side. We don't have a pediatric office, but we have a limited supply. So those those limits and they're expensive. So... The doctor has to deem it necessary. They have to come look at your child. They have to come look at you because RSV is also showing up in our older community, our, our, our senior citizens, our babies, and also with us. Like we are catching RSV now. I know when it first came, when people first started talking about it, it was only in babies. Y'all, it's everywhere. Just like the flu. I think the youngest child I died, I had and did a flu test on was six months old and they had the flu. And I mean, this is crazy. So y'all just got to understand before y'all walk up in here. And I know I put it on Facebook today that um, we don't care about that half behind your height. Because at my center, if you are over 18, we not going to get your height and weight. You need to know that yourself. We'll do a child. We ain't finna do you. So if you tell me you six foot five and a half, bitch, I don't care. I don't give no fucks because there's nowhere for me to put that in an electronic record. It's inches and feet. Feet and inches. With kids, it's the inches. With the adults, it's feet and inches. They don't give a damn about that half. That one nigga, I'm sorry, y'all. I said that bird. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm drinking. Who? Okay. So one dude came in now talking about he was six foot and three fourths. Bitch, what? <laughs> what? You six foot and three fourths. Okay, so God got mad at you and wouldn't even give you those extra, you know, quarter inches to give you a whole six foot one. 
So you pissed God off that he didn't give you that other quarter inch. Okay, you six foot in my book. And that's what I put. But anyway, that is not what my podcast is supposed to be about today. But as y'all know, my stuff is unscripted, unedited, and I don't give a fuck. So what I really did um, want to talk about today. So I'm going to talk about how, and it's going to step on some toes. It's going to piss some people off. But I'm going to talk about how the black man respects and protects the black woman. I don't know if any of you have been on social media. I haven't been on social media like that, y'all. Believe it or not, I haven't. I go look at my messages, go see if I got some more followers on my page, and I go on about my life. Um, so I heard some of my coworkers talking about this viral thing going around with men and how they rank their the women in their lives. So I think they said it was... When it comes to your mom, your wife, and your daughter, how do you rank the women in your life? And apparently this, I don't know, it was black women talking about it and they were only talking about the responses that black men were giving. And about 80 to 90% of the men rank their wives third. I'm going to say this again. 80 to 90% of the men rank their wives third. Let's talk about that. As a black woman, especially when all our black men are in season, 24-7 by people walking around here with gun privilege, getting hurt, killed, accused. Our black men, children, sons, grandsons, brothers, fathers, they are guilty until they want to think they're innocent. So even if their innocence is proven, they love to say it was uh, something went wrong in the investigation. They really guilty, but something went wrong. So our men are guilty until people want to recognize that they are innocent. It's bullshit, but that's our life. And as a black woman who loves the black man, because my daddy a black man, my granddaddies were black men, my brothers are black men. My son is a black man. My nephews, my godsons. I love a black man. Everybody who know me know I love a black man. I tell them all the time, I love a black man. Now, you got to be a certain kind of black. You got to be black, black, blue, black, or purple black. I don't do these almond milk looking people, these people that look like um the pecan swirl or, you know. I don't do almond milk looking people, pecan swirl looking people like milk. Mm-mm. You got a honey. I need to see nothing but your silhouette when the lights go off. That's all I want to see is your silhouette. That's how dark you got to be for me. But anyway, I love my black man and I know that they are the most hated species. Well, they are the second most hated species because I feel like black women are the most hated and I'm going to get to that. 
But our black men, I support our black men to no other. And I feel like us black women that have these black men in our lives, we go, we, we end the world for our black men. We really do. For our sons, our fathers, our children, our nephews, whatever. The men we with, because some of y'all girls, these niggas can get a goddamn life sentence. And y'all riding with them until the homeboy come to the house. But anyway, you rode with him, though. You rode with him while he was in jail. You rode with him while he went to court. You rode with him. We ride hard for our black men. Every black woman I know rides hard for her black man. But... Our black men don't ride hard for us. Black women are the most disrespected, most unprotected, the most unwanted being in this earth. So for that poll, I'm finna step on, I'm finna step on some of these men's toes. So I'm meeting a men's Lord, I sound ghetto as hell. But anyway, I'm finna step on some men's toes. Because, and some women, because I'm going I'm to word it like this. Wives, men, your wives, I didn't say girlfriend, I ain't say baby mama, I ain't say fiance of 10 years, I ain't say roommate, I ain't got say cuddy buddy, I ain't say, you know, your sneaky link, your sugar baby, your sugar mama. I said wives, wives, men, according to this Bible that we were taught to respect, to live by in your Bible, Ephesians 528 states, even so ought husbands also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his own wife loveth himself. Ephesians 5.31 For this cause shall a man leave, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Which means when you marry, you become one. And let no one come between you. I said marry. I didn't say girlfriend, baby mama, sneaky link, cuddy buddy, friends with benefits, sugar mama. I said wife. Wife. Because this poll said mother's Wives and daughters and the wife in 90 to 80 to 90 percent, the wife was third. But the Bible, God, the one most of us serve, has put forth this covenant that when you took your vows, you and your wife become one. So that automatically tells you your wife comes before everybody because you need to treat your wife just as well as you treat yourself. So your wife got to come first. That last verse I just read you, it said you got to leave your mama. Leave your mama. Leave your mama and cleave to your wife. I said wife. 
I know some of the women gonna get upset because I know some of y'all been living with these men for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, but you're not his wife. So in that scenario alone, yeah, I agree with him. You're not his wife. You, he did not vow anything to you. Y'all did not come into a covenant together. You are his wife. You are not his wife. You don't become one with this man until you enter a covenant together and make vows to one another. But men, your wife comes first. I know it seemed crazy because a lot of people, I even had this conversation with my son one time. Well, a few times we've had this conversation. So me and my kids, we laugh and talk because, you know, my mouth is reckless. I can be a little bitchified. You know, I know my kids talk about me behind my back. I don't care. Whatever. But anyway, you know, we laugh and talk about, you know, when mama get old, we're going to put you in the nursing home. Or they be like, I don't know which one of my sisters you're going to live with. And basically saying I ain't living with them. So one day my son, he had to be about 10 or 11. And we was doing that same laugh and talking joke because y'all know I done worked in the nursing home. And they, my kids know, do not put me in a nursing home. You take me to a right to die state, die with dignity state. Die with dignity me. I got to be a citizen of that state for 30 days. Find me a doctor to sign off on. I need a, a medical condition that I will never recover from. It can be Alzheimer's or whatever. And I have the dignity to die on in my own way, under my own circumstance. I basically can medically kill myself. And, I mean, before you put me in a nurse home, that's what I'm going to do. Anyway, so we was laughing and talking about it. And my son says... Well, mama, you can live with me. And I'm like, Jaron, these is just jokes. Like, baby, I'm not going to live with you because you're going to have your wife and your kids. I don't want to be a burden on anybody. But if I do live with any of my children, they know. Put your mama, you can build me a she shed or put me in an RV camper in the backyard, in the attic, in the basement. I ain't but so big long as I got me an air fryer, a microwave, a toaster oven, and some liquor and some alcohol and water, make sure my stuff stay, st stay stock for the month. I got some food and drink for the month. Take my check. Do whatever the rest you want with it. Leave me alone. I'm going to leave you alone. And that's going to be it. And I'm like, well, what if your wife don't want me to live with you? He was like, I don't care about her. I said, no, 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 no. This is my only son. And I told him no. Your wife has to come first in your life. I told him that. Your wife comes first. And he said, well, mama, I can always find another wife. I ain't got a, but another mama. And I get that. I honestly do get that. And that made my heart happy. But as a mother of a son, I need to instill in him, once you get married, I come last, son. Your wife come first, then your children. I come last. And more black women, more black mothers should be doing this with their own sons. Now, I get why some women don't because they've had that interaction with mother-in-laws where the mother-in-laws like, I'm his mama. I'm his mama. I come first. So they go to the next generation saying, I'm his mama. I come first. Then the next generation, I'm his mama. I come first. I live that. With my husband. Didn't know I was going to live it. Because his mama play played like she liked me the entire time. 
And once me and this man got married, I told y'all he was overseas. Once me and this man got married, we had that talk before we got married. Look, I know you're an overseas contractor, but we finna be one. And we need to discuss how we gonna do these finances. When we got married, he had a great job. I had a great job. I didn't need him. He didn't need me. I was working. I was paying my own bills, my rent, my light bill, the kids' daycare, um, Wi-Fi, internet. Well, back then it wasn't Wi-Fi. It was just the internet or whatever. And I was paying cable and the water bill, my car payment, my car insurance, doing the maintenance on my car, buying clothes for my kids, groceries for the house. I did not need him. He did not need me. But when we came together as one, we was like, okay, what we going to do about these bills since I'm going to have another person in my house? Yes, he is overseas. So we sat down and we both agreed he would pay the rent on the townhouse we were living in and he would pay my car payment. I paid for all the utilities because he was gone, but me and the kids were home using the electricity, the water, the groceries, all this and that, driving the car. So I had I, I was going to cover all the utilities in the house, um, the maintenance on the car, keep gas on the car. And I also paid my car insurance because he's not here to drive me. So I paid my own car insurance. We agreed on that. And one day, my ex-mother-in-law called me and she asked me, had I talked to him? And I was like, yes, ma'am. She was like, oh, so how often do you talk to him? I said, oh, sometimes I talk to him like two or three times a day. She was like, really? I was like, yes, ma'am. She was like, and like I say, we had, we might've been married. We got married in June. So this had to be about August because he was about to come home for us to go on our honeymoon. So this had to be about August. I was like, yes, ma'am. She was like, well, I barely, she said, I'm doing good if I talk to him twice a week. I said, oh, okay, well, I'll talk to him about that because I am a mother of a son. Your son is in Afghanistan in a war-torn area. I get it. Let me talk to him. I'm going to make sure he call his mama. I get it. He was like, she was like, okay. She said, and when you talk to him, she said, I really need to talk to him about something. I was like, you know, well, Miss Linda, is anything wrong? Like, anything I can help you with? I was like, you know, I know I'm just your daughter-in-law, but, you know, you, you, you my mama now. So, you know, what's, you know what you need? And she was like, well, $700 missing from our joint checking account. I said, you what? She say $700 missing from, my joint check, from our joint checking account. I said, whose joint checking account? And she was like, mine and his. And I'm like, y'all got a joint checking account? She was like, well, yeah. You know, when he first went over there, you know, he was going through his separation and divorce from his first wife. So, you know, he put my name on stuff to make sure she couldn't take nothing. Okay, understandable. I get it. The girl was a little money hungry because she got me a few times for some money trying to help her with them kids, not knowing how much money she had coming in. I was giving them money from my own damn pocket. But anyway, I was like, oh, okay, I understand that, you know. And I understand we got married and he might not have had time to go by the bank. And do nothing because, you know, we got married on a weekend. The following weekend, you know, we um, went out of town for a little bit or whatever. But anyway, and what she said, I said, so, so so how much missing so I can talk to him about it? She's like, like $700. I said, oh, he probably paid the rent because it was the beginning of the month, y'all. I say he probably paid the rent. She said he paid the what? 
I say the rent. She said the rent for what? I said the rent for a home. And she, she said, why is he paying your rent? I said, well, it's not my rent alone anymore. It's our rent. I'm his wife. This is where he lives. He paid our rent. We, we, we've talked about that. I say, you know, me and Tony have discussed that. And she said, well, I don't understand why he paying rent for somewhere he ain't staying in. He going to stay here when he get home, ain't he? When he come home on leave, he's staying here, right? Yeah, but he's only there for two weeks. Okay, and he has a wife now. He needs to make sure his wife has a roof over her head. Yeah, but he ain't with you but once or twice a year, you know, when he come home. Okay, well, he want to come home and fuck, don't he? And that's exactly what I told my mother-in-law. He want to come home and fuck, don't he? Well, he going to need a roof to fuck under and a bed to fuck in. So that's why he paid the rent. She was like, I don't agree with that. I'm going to dispute the charges. I say dispute the charges, but he did it. You can dispute it, but he did it. And she was like, well, how dare you tell me he going to need some place to fuck? Because he is. I'm his wife. He's going to need somewhere to lay his head when he gets home. I'm it. I'm his wife. I'm his home. We're one. He has to take care of me just like I have to take care of him. Needless to say, that's when me and mother-in-law stopped seeing eye to eye. We were no longer cool. We were no longer friends. But I let her know I'm coming first. But I shouldn't have had to do that. My husband should have done that. And when I talked to my husband about it, he was mad at me. He said, you really said that to my mama? Yeah, and I said it to her again. I said it to you. If I, I'm your wife, I'm, I'm first. So for these men putting their wives last, that's bullshit to me. Like, she's your wife. You chose her. You took vows with her. And to put her last, that's ridiculous. If it wasn't for your wife, you wouldn't have your daughter. If it wasn't for your wife, you wouldn't have your daughter. Hold up. Let's think about that. What about these men that's not married to their daughter's mother? Right. But your wife still become, comes first before that daughter. Because that's your wife. That is your one. You came together as one. Proverbs 18, 22. Sorry, Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Meaning God created us for companionship. So even though you have a wife, you have a daughter, you have a mother, your wife comes first because God created her for you. God created women for men. We have to come first. We have to come together as one. Again, I am saying wife, not a baby mama. Not a sugar baby, not a with sneaky link, not a little cuddy buddy, not your little boo thing you do on the weekend or whatever. Your wife. I do not expect any man that I deal with to put his mother or daughter after me if I am not his wife. I am not his wife. But if I do become a wife again, I do expect. It is a requirement and an expectation that I come first. I am not saying 
put your mama on the back burner because I'll be the first one. If your mama gets sick, I'm that first one that say, bring her here. I'm a caregiver. I am in the medical field. I want to make sure my mother or my mother-in-law is taken care of. So if she's sick, she needs some papers to stay so we can take care of her, bring her home. We ain't putting your mama in no nursing home. Bring her home. I will be the first wife to say that. I will always be the first wife to say that. But with me saying that, I'm not telling you to put your mama before me. We are one. So together, we're going to take care of your mother. I'm going to take care of your mother just like I would want you to help me take care of mine. We're going to take care of your mother. I still come first, but your mother is now a priority as well. So you men that love to say, oh, my daughter come first, my wife come, my, my mama come first for any wife. You ain't got the right wife. Because once you got that right wife, you ain't finna let nobody come before her. You gonna protect her. You gonna honor her. You gonna respect her. And nothing or no one will come before her. Your wife. Again, guys, your wife. I'm not saying she need to come first in no stupid crap. Like if your daughter needs surgery, but your wife want to go on a trip, by all means, get a baby to surgery. Trips can wait. Health is everything. But you need to come to that conclusion as one. God brought y'all together. Y'all entered a vow and a covenant together to be as one. You have to operate as one. You have to honor, respect, and love her as one. She has to come first. This has to stop in our black community. Men, protect us. Honor us. Respect us. If y'all ain't protecting us, why you think everybody else in the world talking to us like we ain't shit? Our jobs talk to us like we ain't shit. They treat us like we ain't shit. That's because y'all treat us like shit. Y'all don't do nothing to protect us. I don't know a black woman that won't go through hell and high water for her man. Whether they married, just together, sneaking around, secret, secret Santa's, cutty buddies, whatever. A woman, if she for that man, she going to go hard. She going to go hard. She going to protect him, respect him, honor him. She going to honor a nigga that don't deserve a goddamn Kit Kat at the damn toilet after the baby shitted it out. But she going to go hard for him like he's the king of all kings. We always treat our black men like kings. But our black men do not treat us nowhere near like we're queens. The black woman is the circle of life. And I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it with my chest. The black woman is the circle of life. For this entire planet. And anybody who want to argue with me. Let's argue. The black woman. Is the entire. Circle of life. Remember that. A black woman. Only a black woman. Can have 10 kids. And they be all 10 different shades. Only a black woman can do that. And they can have the same daddy. And she can have 10 babies and they all 10 different shades of brown. Only a black woman can do that. No other woman or race can do that. But we can. I got four of them. 
Yeah, they got different daddies. I don't care. I love my kids enough. They all got their own daddy. I love my kids enough. They all got their own daddy. But guess what? They are all different shades. No other race can do that. I have this coworker at work. She's Greek. And she is gung-ho that Greek, Greek people are the start of this planet. And I have to throw that Bible in her face because, um, yeah, the Garden of Eden, that was in between Africa and Israel. Don't think no white people there, baby. Ain't no Greeks right there. It's all us. The Garden of Eden is in between Africa and Israel. It's in that central point where Africa, Israel, and Asia meet. Africa, Israel, and Asia meet. We are the center of the world. We started this. We started earth. We started children. Eve was a black woman. We can argue. Let's argue. Eve was a black woman. And she started it all. She started it under sin, but she started it. She started it. We black women, we've started this earth. We keep restarting this earth. That's why we as black women have to protect ourselves. And we need black men to protect us because medically we're not protected. We are the most overlooked patients in the medical field. Black women are the most overlooked patients in the medical field. And these doctors say, oh, black people can take pain. No, we can take pain and suffering because that's what we were designed. We were programmed to do. But our pain is the same as your pain. I may have a high pain tolerance, but that's because I was made to have a high pain tolerance. My son, for instance, 45 hours of labor. Not minutes, hours, people. You heard what I said. 45 hours. I begged for an epidural. You know what they did? Well, let's try to stop your contractions first. I was five. I was 35 weeks. Let's try to stop your contractions first. So for the first 24 hours of my labor, and I can't blame my son's father because he was there with me too. This was his first child. This was my fourth. He didn't know how to speak up for me. He didn't know how to protect me. They spent 24 hours of me in full-blown labor trying to stop him from coming. So I'm in full-blown labor. They're trying to stop contractions. So for 24 straight hours, I was in an exponential amount of pain. Any woman who's had their child naturally Knows what that feels like. So I'm feeling pain. I don't see an end because they too busy trying to keep the baby inside. Okay. After 24 hours of no success. They decide to let me labor. I labored for an additional. I think we were at the 36 hour mark. So that was what? Nine more hours. They finally decided, 
oh, she can get an epidural. They decided. Now, I've been asking for one since that Saturday morning when I got there, but here it is Sunday night. And now they've decided, oh, okay, she can get one. They decided I could get one. So they placed the epidural. After having the epidural placed two hours, I had no relief, nothing. So they looked, they looked, oh, shit, we placed it wrong. Yes, they placed my epidural incorrectly. The, his excuse was, I was so short that he misread my vertebrae in my back. Okay, cool. So they come back. So now we're at 38 hours. They place my epidural again. They give me a pump at this point to press the button. I'm pressing the button. Y'all, my back is swelling up that I can't even lay on it at this point while I'm in labor. Guess what? My baby daddy didn't know. He was there, but he didn't know. He didn't know to speak up for me. He didn't know to protect me. They misplaced it again. This time they placed it in my tissue. That's why my back was swelling up. Third time's a charm, right? Wrong. So they go to place it again. Because now at this point, I have been laboring for 40 hours. 40 straight hours of labor. No pain relief. No pain medication. Um, we're going to give you some new bang since the epidural's not working. My gynecologist, my OB comes in the room because my OB, which was a black woman, was that was her shift off. So her colleague was in there. He was a white guy. Sweet guy. Can't remember his name for shit, but that he was a sweet guy. He goes, your epidural still not in your back, right? That's why you're in pain. No, he goes, Rhonda, you're not progressing. Um, we need to talk about doing a C-section. And I had them pushed out all my girls. And that's all I knew was pushing out a baby. I ain't know nothing about getting my stomach cut, cut open. And I wasn't finna start then. So me and him, he's talking to me. And I was like, how are you going to cut? I'm in tears. I'm not crying, but I'm in tears. Because I'm, I'm a thug. I ain't finna cry. I didn't cry well, flap. I don't see why y'all women well and flap and cry and hysterical when you're in labor. The more you move, the more that shit hurt. Just sit there and let your body do what it do. Anyway, he goes, I say, how are we going to do this if my epidural isn't working? He looks at me. He said, your epidural is still not working? No, it's still not working. He lifts me up. I'm able to, y'all, he was like, he stood me up and he called the nurse. I was like, I don't need her to hold me. I feel my legs. He was like, what? I said, I feel everything. Like I'm feeling everything. Like I, this epidural is not working. He was the one that realized my back was swollen. That the knee, that the catheter was in my tissue and not in my spinal cord. That doctor pulled it out. Like he immediately just pulled it out. And... They called them again. They was like, look, y'all going to have to place this. Y'all going to have to give her an ultrasound or something. We going to have to place this because she going to need a C-section because she is not progressing. So then I get to praying. Y'all, I got to praying like, God, I ain't never had no C-section and I ain't about to start. 
So another anesthesiologist comes and places the epidural. They put me in another room because at this point, they are prepping me to do a C-section. Um, They shave, you know, they sh- shave us women when we get a C-section or whatever. And um, they go to place it again. <sighs> About 45 minutes, he comes and checks on me. I'm looking at him. I say, it's not working. He was like, ain't no way. So somehow I wasn't even paying them attention. They start poking me on my feet under the blanket thinking I just feel I, I'm thinking I don't feel nothing, but I actually do. And when she I say, if you poke my damn foot one more time, I'm going to kick the shit at you. And she was covered. No one. Didn't even realize she was in the room. I say, if she poked me one more time, I'm going to shit out of her. They was like, you feel that? And I'm like, yes. I keep telling y'all this. So he's like, okay, we just going to have to put you to sleep. Wait a minute. I ain't never been put to sleep to have no kid. And I ain't finna do it now. Anyway, long story short, epidural never worked. 45 hours of labor. I can't, I push my son because I eventually tell them I have to push because I've done this naturally before. I've got to push. And they was like, ain't no way. Okay, don't believe me. Anyway, sun came out, wee, like a slide in the mud hill. Anyway, but that goes to show we are the most overlooked people in the medical field. They did not believe me. One time before in 2004, I had to have my left ovary and fallopian tube removed because I had a grapefruit-sized cyst on my ovary that my gynecologist, Dr. Goldstein at Piedmont Physicians for Women in Greenwood, South Carolina. Goldstein. I was on birth control. I was on the patch. And one day I had a period, y'all, and it never went off. It never went off. He took me off the patch. He put me on depo shot. He put me on birth control. For three months, I went through this. He finally was like, well, maybe you had a miscarriage and we just didn't know it in between switching your birth controls. Let's do a DNC, get you cleaned out. I stopped bleeding for like 12 hours and it came back worse than ever. Anyway, long story short, I finally went to the ER. They said I had a bladder infection. Child Greenwood will kill you. Anyway, self-regional will kill you. Anyway, so they said I had a bladder infection. Everybody, you know, we looking like, "Mm, that don't make no sense. So I get a second opinion. My second opinion came from, I was in x-ray school. And one of my x-ray buddies that we used to go to um, off to places together, like uh, to Abbeville Hospital in Newberry and Lawrence, me and her were always paired. Her name is Jonna Moore. I know she's married now. I don't know Jonna's married name, but at the time her name was Jonna Moore. And Jonna worked at a gynecology office. She worked at... um, God, it's Dr. Leary and at the time, Dr. Eichelberger. That was his name. He was an old doctor, y'all. Dr. Eichelberger had to have been 70 or 80 years old. But she got me an appointment with Dr. Eichelberger because, mind you, we was going away and I was just bleeding out on my scrubs. I was bleeding a lot. And she said, Rhonda, you need a second opinion because when I got the 
everything, the bladder infection diagnosis, we were supposed to be in clinical. So, of course, all my classmates was there. They did an ultrasound on me, the ultrasound tech. She was one of the ladies that we were shadowing and stuff. Even she looked at me and she was like, baby, they shouldn't send you home today. You probably going to get admitted because they can't tell you what they saw. But anyway, Jonna got my records. She got my blood work. She sent it to her OB office. I, like I said, it was Dr. Leary back in the day, back in the two, late 90s, early Dr. Leary, Dr. Dixon, Dr. Eichelberger. It was all of them. It was that practice. And Dr. Eichelberger was the only one who could see me the next day because, you know, he was just the older doctor that was just seeing his older female patients. You know, he wasn't even delivering babies no more. But when I got there, I was the only patient there. He was the only doctor there. And they had one lady at the receptionist's office, at the receptionist's desk. And when I got there and he looked at everything they had done for me, he looked at me. He was like, um, you, he said, how you getting to the hospital? Are you going on your own or am I taking you? And I was like, what? He said, I want to know who sent you home all these times you've been going to the hospital for this bleeding. And I was like, it was my doctor, Dr. Goldstein. He said, Piedmont Physicians for Women. I was like, yes, sir. But anyway, as I was getting ready to go to the hospital, I passed out in the office. And Dr. Eichelberger, like I say, this man had to been 70, 80 years old. They say he picked me up and put me in his truck and took me to the hospital. He didn't even admit. He took, they say that man got a wheelchair and took me to the third labor, the women's floor. And he admitted me from there. And, you know, he would not. He was like, he, they say he stayed there till I got everything that I needed situated. Y'all, I was passing in and out of consciousness because I had lost that much blood. I had bled for three months like this, y'all. And I had woke up. Well, I, had been, I had to be admitted for five days before they could even do my surgery. And um, they was like... Um, Dr. Eichelberger has your back. One of the nurses told me that. And I was like, yes, ma'am. You know, I, I, they told me he brought me here. And they was like, no. They was like, he cornered Dr. Goldstein in the hallway and said, why are you trying to kill this black mother? She got three girls at home under the age of six. Why are you trying to kill her? And they say Dr. Eichelberger told us, man, some words they didn't think Dr. Eichelberger could say. But I tell every black person I know, get your second, third, fourth, fifth opinion till you get your questions answered. Especially black women, because we are the most unprotected in the medical field and most overlooked. That man told me that I was crazy and I needed a psychiatrist. I told him that explains the pain. I agreed with him. I said, but I'm not mentally thinking my body is bleeding and bleeding for three months. No woman wants that. Hell, we don't want to bleed when our fucking period come on. Send me a goddamn text message to say you ain't pregnant this month, bitch, and go on about your business. I don't even need it no more because I don't even have fallopian tubes. I got one goddamn over and a half a damn uterus. I don't even need that. I don't need to see it. I can just go on about my life. But Mother Nature still wants me to be in this perimenopause stage. So I got to see the little heifer every now and then. Whatever. But I'm just saying this. Black men, stand up for us. Start standing up for us. Start protecting us. Stop. And you can do that by showing us at home. 
Stop thinking being out with your homeboys is more important than being home with your woman. Stop thinking for show for these little hood rats that want $40. You want to look all big and bad and like you got it going on for them when you got a real woman at home. Y'all men my age, 40 and above, y'all need a woman to know the signs of a stroke and heart attack. These young girls don't know what that shit is. They think you damn overdosing on lean. Uh, own some kind of edible or some dumb shit. You need somebody to know the signs of a stroke and a heart attack. Protect us like we would protect y'all. I tell any black man I know, if you don't want nobody to do it to your mama and your daughter, don't do it to your woman. If you don't want something to be done or said to your mother or daughter, don't do it to your woman. Don't do it. Because I am a product, a believer, a, what do you call it? Um, I, I know why I get treated the way I get treated by men. I am reaping what my father sowed. Bottom line, end of discussion. Men, the way you treat women... Somebody going to treat your daughter and your granddaughters like that. Be careful. Be careful who you playing with. Be careful who you hurting. Be careful who you're not protecting. Because you're also making that burden be your daughter's, what you're doing to some other woman. But now your daughter thinks that's how she ought to be treated. That's how she ought to be looked at. That's how she ought to, you know, a man ought to go act towards her. So not only are you messing up the woman at home, you messing up your daughter. Show your daughter how you want a man to treat her by treating your woman that way. Show your daughter. Teach your daughter. You showing your daughter, oh, you come before your mama? She going to always think a woman is going to come before her. You got to show your daughter your mama, your wife comes before her. Just like when she becomes a wife, she should come before everybody else as well. You're reaping what you're sowing. Your daughters will reap what you sowed. Because I know I am. I know I am. My dad is a wonderful man now. But back in the day, baby, my daddy would choose his homeboys going out to a football game out of state. My daddy would go to friends' houses and we wouldn't see on a Friday night and we wouldn't see my daddy the Sunday morning. And I'm reaping what he sowed. Because I cannot find a man to treat me worth shit. Because my, mom, my daddy at the time didn't treat my mama worth shit. So I had to bear that burden. And that's the one curse that I've prayed. I hope I've prayed and lifted off of my girls. Because yes, your dad is one shit. But I be damn if y'all gonna be with a man that ain't shit just like your dad is. No. No. I will not stand for it. Not at all. My children will not reap what their father show, what their father sow. They will not. So please, black men, protect us. Put your wives first. Put your daughter second and put your mama last. Because mama didn't live to life. Mama raised you to be a good man. Mama got to go last now. She was first with you growing up. But now you a man. You're a husband, you're a father.
Unfortunately, she got to get in the back of the line. These are my opinions, people. I know everybody ain't going to agree with it. A lot of you ain't going to even understand it. Because some of y'all okay with just not being a wife. I'm not okay with not being a wife. I'm 42 years old. If this relationship lasts a year and I don't have a ring, I will move on. Because I am not wasting any more of my time with a man that don't think I'm good enough to be a wife. Because I am. I know my worth. I'd be the best wife you ever had. And you would go back and look and say, why didn't I do this sooner? Because I'm good. I know I'm good. I help this earth go round. I'm part of the I'm part of the legacy that started earth. And I know it. And no one will ever take that from me. And I will stand up for my black man to the day I can't stand anymore. And I will speak up for my black man until I can't speak anymore. I love my black brothers. And if you don't, nobody ever tells you, like Angie said, Rhonda love you. I love every last one of y'all. I know you can do it. I know you are kings. You can treat us like queens. And I know you can have our backs. You just got to step out and do it. Just step out and do it. I know you can. I believe you can. You just ain't never had nobody tell you you can. But I'm here to tell you, baby, you can. And you should. And I love each and every one of you. So this is the time in the show. While I do my promotions, y'all already know the three I'm going to do. Reliable Maintenance in Augusta, Georgia. Reliable Maintenance can handle all your HVAC needs, whether it's central heating, cooling, and air install or repair, thermostat install or repair. You can always rely on Reliable Maintenance. Please contact owner and operator James Wheeler at 267-403-1501. Reliable Maintenance, a company you can always rely on. SNH Catering LLC in Greenwood, South Carolina. SNH Catering can provide all your catering needs for any occasion, weddings, birthday or anniversary parties, family and class reunions, bridal or baby showers. SNH Catering can make all your food dreams come true. Please contact owner Sharon Parks at 864-450-8190 to plan your best menu. Lawless Cleaning Solutions in the Dallas Fort Worth area in Texas. Lawless Cleaning Solutions wants to get wants you to give them the opportunity to my, to make life easier for you by choosing Lawless Cleaning Solutions. We pay attention to detail and get the job done with precision cuz we don't or won't miss a thing. Lawless Cleaning Solutions is dedicated to cleaning with excellence. Call 469-910-5059 to book your consultation. Again, guys, I just want my black brothers and sisters to honor, respect, stand up for each other, be there for one another, be each other's biggest cheerleader, comfort place, and always know we love each other. We got to love each other because don't nobody else love us. Thanks to everyone who has shared and liked and followed my podcast page on Facebook it's now up to 402 followers. I want to thank everyone. I also have an Instagram page you can follow at Real Life Random Thoughts Podcast. The one on Facebook is a public page. Anyone can pay, post a show ideas, 
ask questions, promote small black businesses. Um, my Instagram page is public as well, but only I can post on it. So if you need me to post something, I'll be more than happy to. You can also follow me on TikTok at Real Life Random Thoughts. I'm going to start posting weekly episode videos on the TikTok page, y'all. Um, or, you know, so y'all can see what I'm up to that I'm really just sitting on my couch, sipping on my liquor. <laughs> so you can really see that I'm for real, for real. Um, and you can always email me at realliferandomthoughts at email.com, at gmail.com, realliferandomthoughts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, be good or be good at it. Have a good one.